Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. All right, welcome back into the Leaning into Leadership podcast. This is episode number two. And on episode number two, I want to spend some time talking about some leadership lessons that I picked up when I was out and about on a recent travel that, let's just say, was impacted by some weather and resulted in me spending quite a bit of time at multiple airports. It's amazing the leadership lessons that are out there in everyday life. And boy, they really are out there when you spend some time in an airport or two. So I'm looking forward to sharing those with you during this particular episode. Um, I have a pep talk, of course, for you this week. But I want to begin by just simply saying thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to all the folks who have given us five-star reviews and have said some really great words in your reviews. And thank you to all the folks that reached out this week and gave such awesome feedback on the podcast, words of encouragement, um, some great feedback on the blog posts as well, and just for interacting and reaching out to us so that we knew One, that you're out there listening and you find value in what we're bringing to you. And two, giving us feedback that helps us just continue to get better, to continue to grow. You know, this podcast will only get better, will only grow in its magnitude and in the number of people that it reaches by you sharing your feedback with me. Otherwise, it's just some guy talking into a microphone. And that's certainly not my goal. My goal is to cultivate leaders through elevating voices and spreading positivity. So this is one of those platforms that we have the opportunity to do that. So I just wanted to really quick before we dive into the podcast today, say thank you. Uh, it was very, very heartwarming to, to see all that this week. So thank you so much. Let's hope this episode resonates just as much, if not more, this week as the one did last week. So with that, let's dive in. On a recent trip to the East Coast, I had a great opportunity to pick out some really amazing leadership lessons. So let me give you a little background on the trip, and then I'll get into the lessons. I was headed to Virginia, actually traveling in tandem with my travel partner, uh, Mr. Tom Cody from, uh, from the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And we met in D.C., headed south into Virginia, and the weather was beautiful. Uh, Tom and I were there to do our school culture work that we've partnered on that really it's, it's titled Stay in Your Lane, School Culture Starts With You. It's us working with schools and, and districts, helping the educators kind of take that step back, take a deep breath, and remember that, hey, there's things that we can control, things we can't. Let's stay focused on what we can control. Let go of the things we can't. Stop problem naming and instead do some problem solving um, and just take care of what's happening in your classroom or in your school. Anyway, Tom and I arrived to do that work 
to find out that school had been canceled. Big storm coming in the next day. In that part of the country, you cancel school because you think there could be snow. Where I live, you don't cancel school even if there is snow. Um, But, hey, everybody's different, right? It's no big deal. And uh, the next morning, we understood why. Because the storm of the century, folks, had descended on northern Virginia and was dumping about four inches of snow per hour as we were headed our way back north on I-95. We were able to make our way back to the airport. Took forever, but we got there. And that's that's all we cared about because by the time we had gotten to the airport, we had been notified that our flights had been canceled and that it was going to be the next day before we were going to get out of D.C., we're able to grab a couple of hotel rooms, and you know, at that point, what do you do? You find a great place to have a steak dinner and just stay out of the snow. The next day, we both headed to the airport. Tom was able to get on his flight. My flight had gotten canceled again, and now I was booked on a flight to New York to then go to Minneapolis to then go to Omaha instead of actually from Washington, D.C., direct into Omaha. So, hey, you know, some things you can control and some things you can't. This now takes us into four really great leadership lessons. And I'll take you right there to the gate where Tom is getting on his airplane. I got to the airport shortly after Tom, and I went to the gate to ask, is there a chance that I can get on this flight? Because this one would take me direct to Minneapolis avoid the entire trip to to New York, and get me home a lot sooner. The gate agent said, yeah, there's actually some seats on this flight. We'll see what we can do, but I need you to call this 1-800 number. Before I tell you what happened when I called the 1-800 number, let me tell you what the lesson is. Leaders, systems are important. As an early career school principal, I was not a systems thinker. And I struggled because of it. It took me some time. I am a little bit more of an abstract random thinker than being a concrete sequential person. So it took me a while to learn and understand truly how systems work together. But once I'd gotten good at it, I was a lot more comfortable with it. Our systems are so important. But what happens when our systems don't work well together? What happens when we get blind to one system and another system not being able to communicate with each other? In education, that might be our behavioral side of our MTSS pyramid and our academic side. It might be our elementary building, communicating with our middle school building, communicating with our high school. There are a lot of different systems there, folks. If your transportation department doesn't communicate well with your maintenance department, as an example. Lots of different pieces and lots of different systems, but they have to be able to communicate well and they have to work well together. In this particular example, the systems really do not work well together. So I'm at the gate. The lady tells me, yes, there are seats available. Call this 1-800 number. The person on the other end of the phone tells me there are no seats available on that flight, even though the person at the gate is telling me they are. I said, well, what am I supposed to do? I'd like to get on this flight. And she informed me that, well, there are no seats. 
Unfortunately, the two systems just don't work together because the gate agent's not allowed to change my flight, even though there are seats available. And the person who can, can't see that there are seats on that plane. By the time all had played out, I ended up not getting on that plane and waiting on my plane. That's coming up in a couple minutes on another leadership lesson. But it's really important for us to think about how our systems are working. You know, people count on all of those different moving parts. And when they're working well together, nobody says a word. Unfortunately, when the gears grind together and things kind of come to a halt, that's when we really have to look at our systems and identify, have we done the right work around putting them together? Play the what-if game with your systems. That's the takeaway I want from this first leadership lesson. Think about the systems you have in place, whether they're around uh, student and staff attendance or they're around your behavioral process or they're around um, your assessment practices or your data practices, whatever it is, do they work well together? Do the individuals that are part of this system understand the other system? Do they communicate well? Do they know how their work impacts the other system? Leadership lesson number two. Be a leader who takes action. You can't be that person who just drags your feet, who procrastinates, who doesn't step forward and get things done. Nobody wants to work with the leader who doesn't return their emails or come back and see them when they say they're going to or who doesn't follow through on the things that they need to. I'll tell you, being in that airport terminal, And now waiting on my flight to LaGuardia in New York, as we sat there, this group of people waiting to board a plane, we discovered that still at the gate was a flight going to a completely different destination that had been there for quite some time. That plane had boarded. The doors were closed. But that plane just sat there for quite some time. At a point in time, our crew for our flight had shown up and were waiting in the terminal area, just like everybody who's supposed to board this plane. Conversations, of course, began to happen between passengers and discovered there were a handful of us who were all going to be jumping quickly from this flight in LaGuardia to a flight to take us to Minneapolis with about a 40-minute layover. 40-minute layover... Typically not a big deal at an airport, but in this case, every passing minute with that plane that's supposed to be going somewhere else, not leaving our gate, was starting to really put some pressure on everybody waiting around. What was interesting was there were no announcements. Nobody was sharing what was going on. In fact, the crew, as I said, was in the area with us, and they said our plane was on the ground. They could see it, but it was sitting out there waiting to come into this particular gate. You see, here's the leadership lesson. Sometimes you need to take action. Maybe that action is just letting people know what's going on. Maybe that action is, hey, let's let's solve a problem here. Instead of just having that plane sit there, what if what if we find it another gate? You know, if there's a reason this plane is sitting there can't take off, then let's get it out of the way or let the plane that everybody's waiting on 
go to another gate and we'll move them around. But that didn't happen. If you've ever worked in a situation or been working with a leader who tended to kind of become a little bit paralyzed and didn't move forward, make decisions, communicate well, just didn't take action, you know that it can lead to a number of things. And two in particular that I was finding and thinking about as I'm watching everybody in the terminal area looking at this plane going nowhere. First thing is, can really develop a lot of frustration. You know, people that count on you as a leader to make a decision, to take an action or to give some direction, that lack of action, that inaction, what that can lead to is people looking at the leader and saying, what are we doing here? If you're not going to do something, do I need to do something? Or, or maybe they just completely lose their momentum. Maybe you're in the middle of a change process and this has caused you to freeze up. And maybe you're going to slide backwards and that change isn't going to happen the way you wanted it to. Maybe they begin to question, you know, what, what's going on with our leader? Why is it that our leader isn't doing something here? You know that people react differently when frustrations start to kick in. The second thing is you start to see a decrease in expectation from people. This is really apparent in the airport. We have an expectation that, hey, that plane needs to take off, our plane needs to pull in, and we can get on the plane and go make our connection in New York, but that's not happening right now. And what it leads to is maybe a feeling of hopelessness or even helplessness where I, I can't do this. I have no control over this. And again, I'm somebody who really keeps that right in the forefront of my mind. If I can't control this, I got to let it go. So I can't make that plane move. I, I can't make the lady give us an announcement and tell us what's happening. So I just have to let that go. But eventually we reach a point, and this happens when leaders just are not willing to take action. And it's it's almost something that's beyond tolerance, but it's like that becomes an expectation. People start to expect that their leader will do nothing. That, you know what, in this situation, we're just we're just kind of held captive to this person who's not going to take action. Nothing's going to get done. You know, so be it. I will just take care of myself. That tends to happen when we have these inactions, when this lack of willingness to step forward, make a decision and do something takes place. It's an important leadership lesson. People are expecting things of you as a leader. They expect you to solve problems, to put them in positions to solve problems, to give them information and to give them support. But if you just stay stuck in the mud and don't give them what they need, eventually they start to lose confidence in the leader and they start to just understand that, well, I guess that's just the way that it is. Okay, leadership lesson number three, communication. Clear communication is so important. But I think sometimes we lose sight of what it really means to have clear communication. Sometimes we think 
that we can never over-communicate. I'm going to tell you that's not necessarily true. Sometimes we think being really loud in our communication is the way to go. That's also not always true. We need to think about how we communicate, when we communicate, and why we communicate. Now, here's the connection to the airport. I'm at the airport terminal in LaGuardia in New York, and the main terminal has a speaker system that they do all the special announcements through. And let's just say it was very loud. And of course, these are the communications that are very repetitive. It's the NTSBs, you know, you've got to do this and don't leave your luggage with somebody. And I can't even tell you what they are because you hear them so many times that you really don't listen to them. And I think that's an important piece when those messages just continue to come at us loudly. We aren't necessarily going to listen to them when we've heard them so much. But with that said, when you think about your communication, are the communications that you are sending out and that your team of leaders are sending out, are they consistent? Do they work well together? Or are you unintentionally sending a mixed message? Now, let me tell you some ways that that can happen. First and foremost, the competing narrative. When one message either cancels one out or just drowns it out. That can leave people stuck in limbo or feeling lost. Those competing narratives, those multiple different types of messages I saw when I was in New York. I'm hearing this loud, continual, repetitive message that kept coming up on the loudspeaker. But it seemed to come up every time the agent at my gate wanted to make an announcement. She was telling us important information about our flight, about when we were going to begin boarding. And every time she spoke up, that other announcement also came on and was so much louder than hers that nobody in the gate area could even hear what she was saying. We felt like we were in limbo. At one point in time, when we were boarding the plane, again, the loud narrative came on and she is telling us which groups are boarding. I actually missed my group. There weren't a lot of us on the plane, so it wasn't a big deal. But when I went and actually went through and scanned my boarding pass, I realized I was boarding with a group after my boarding group. Those competing narratives can be real challenging. We have to make sure that we're not communicating in a way that overrides or is louder than another message that can leave people stuck in limbo. The other thing, too, is think about how the hierarchy works in terms of communication. And by that, I mean, are subordinates to you as a leader allowed to and expected to make decisions? And if so, when they communicate out expectations, actions to be taken, directives, are you unintentionally overriding them? by also sending out communications that may not necessarily be the same. Are you clearing your expectations with them? You know, we're told often as leaders 
that we should delegate. Delegate as many things as you can. But here's the takeaway in this. If you're going to delegate, you better be okay with how they do that work. Don't override them through communications because you can easily end up with mixed messages. And that hierarchy where there are mixed messages does not send the message you want out to everyone else. If anything, it says, hey, these people do not have everything all together. They're not on the same page. It can leave people feeling confused, leave them feeling frustrated, and actually lead to having them stuck in inaction. The other thing, too, that I think is important with communication, and again, sitting in this terminal with all of this noise overload, what occurred to me is that more isn't always better. We are bombarded with communications a lot of times by certain leaders. In the terminal, it was that repetitive message every 20 minutes or however frequently they run that, not to leave your luggage or to watch the luggage of somebody you've never met before. We all know that. But do we listen to that? I mean, do we really listen to that? Or have we become so tone deaf to that when we're in the airport that we just drown that out? If we continue to blast the same message at people with a belief that if we say it 17 or 18 times, maybe just maybe this will be the time it gets through, we might want to take a step back and reevaluate that strategy. Is more really better? Sometimes it's not. Let's just keep it nice, concise, and simple so that people hear it, understand it, and then follow the direction or or the guidance that we're trying to provide. You know, when you throw a lot of information at people, that's another way that that more is not always better. You throw a lot of information at people at once, and that can lead to being very confusing. It can lead to nobody being able to understand what it is that they're expected to do. So the leadership lesson here is keep communication simple. Be aware of how you are delegating the opportunities for decision-making and things that need to be communicated. And don't override those unintentionally through your own communication. And absolutely, more is not always better. All right, and that takes us to leadership lesson number four, which is life is not about what happens to you. Life is about how you respond to what happens to you. Kipling's poem, A Father's Advice to His Son, opens with, If you can keep your head while all about you are losing theirs and blaming you, you, my son, will be a man. We have these opportunities all the time where something has happened and somebody is reacting maybe less than appropriately. As a leader, we get to, we get to step in and model the appropriate response or to help that person get to the appropriate response. Right now, we see all over the country people responding very inappropriately to things they feel are being done to them. That's the big challenge for leaders right now, is to keep their heads while others clearly are losing theirs. In this particular situation at the airport, we're sitting looking at this plane, 
It hasn't moved. We know ours is out there. Our crew is now referring to our plane being in, quote, the penalty box, which I guess is what happens when a plane comes in and there's no place to put it. And my group, my impromptu group, that is traveling now indirectly with me and headed to Minneapolis with me through LaGuardia, starts to have some conversations around, you know, what do we do? You know, what happens when we miss our connection? Does What happens to our luggage? What, you know, what do I do to reschedule my plane? Do they automatically do this? And people were in that group kind of kind of starting to freak out a little bit. Myself and a couple others who I think probably have a little bit more travel experience than do the ones who are freaking out started to just share some experiences we've had in these, you know, types of deals where, hey, you know, this is out of our control. You know, we'll get on this plane eventually. We might make our connection. We may not. They might hold the plane. They may not. They can't tell us here what's going to happen there. So how about we just focus on what we can control? I shared with them that one of the things we can control is do we even stay as individuals on that next flight? You know, they say put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. I opened my app and I actually changed my flight. I was staying on the flight that I was waiting on, but my flight in New York now was a little bit later and even better, it was direct into Nebraska for me. I shared that with some of the other folks and it gave them, I think, a little sense of relief to say, oh, I do still have some control in this situation. I'll get to New York when I get there, but I can decide what happens from there. I'm not simply leaving it up to the airline to make this decision for me. Or certainly I could if I wanted to. In my case, I chose not to. But the key was remaining calm in those situations. Now, no, this wasn't a huge situation. It's not like people showing up at board meetings and making threats and um, some of those things that have been happening across the country. But to me, it just resonated again as one of those leadership lessons where we have to model how we want people to respond in difficult situations. It's also important for us as leaders to do that as often as possible because the more practice we get, the more comfortable we get in those situations, the more that becomes our default setting as opposed to our default setting being to get angry, to lose our temper, to say things that we probably would regret. So as we continue through this particular school year, leaders, I would challenge you to think about that. You're going to have bumps in the road still. It's not going to be smooth sailing the rest of this year. I, I wish you all the best in that it could be smooth sailing the rest of the year, but I know that you're going to have bumps in the road. So when that happens, how are you going to respond? How are you going to lead your group? How are you going to demonstrate to them this is the appropriate way for us to respond? Because when you model it, they will do it. And when they do it, they're modeling it for others. It has an incredible trickle-down effect. If you keep your head while those around you are losing theirs, that's being a leader. All right, now it's time for a pep talk. Before we get to the pep talk, let me just real quick again 
say if you like what you hear, if what I'm sharing on the Leaning into Leadership podcast is resonating with you, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Give us a review. Reach out and give me some feedback because the only way the podcast grows and gets better is if I'm hearing from you and helping to hit those topics that you want to learn about in leadership. And now for a pep talk. Earlier this week, I shared a blog post, and that blog post was focused on the role that leaders have in systemic change. Like me, I think a lot of leaders have this belief that they have to do it all. You know, leaders are doers, right? But we get this belief in our head, and it starts to consume us, and we think we have to drive every ounce of the change, that the change is our responsibility, In reality, leaders, that's not quite true. You see, if you want to create systemic change, not change that ends when the leader moves on, but something that genuinely changes the system that's truly impactful, then your job as the leader is to create conditions in which people feel valued and trusted and are given the opportunity to take risk so that they identify the need for change. They see the need for change and they want that change. They will greet your initiative or your opportunity to grow in a much different way when they see and feel the need for that change. They create the systemic change. You create the conditions for that systemic change. And that's your pep talk for this week. All right, let's recap four different leadership lessons from the airport. Number one, being a systems thinker is important, but if our systems don't work well together, that can cause more harm than good. Get up on the balcony, take a look at your systems. Are they working well together? Do they mesh? Do they communicate well? Or are they unintentionally causing problems? It's important to know what's happening with your systems. Number two, don't be the leader that procrastinates or drags their feet or doesn't communicate doesn't share, doesn't make a decision. Ultimately, that just leads to people tolerating inaction. That doesn't help anybody. It causes a lack of progress and it kills any innovation or change that you're trying to make. Number three, communication. Hey, don't be about the loudest voice. Don't be about flooding a ton of communication or constantly repeating the same thing. Make sure your communications are concise Make sure that if you've delegated the ability to make a decision and to communicate something, that you support that and don't unintentionally step on it. And that everybody has the opportunity to get the information they need in a timely manner. And then number four, life is not about what happens to you. It's about how you respond. Think about that. Keep your head. You are the leader. You get to be the one who holds their head while others are losing it. That's the job of the leader. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.